Hello and welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, streaming live from Queens, New York. We're really glad that you decided to join us today. Whether you're a member, attend regularly, or this is your first time with us, we want to let you know we appreciate you. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Good morning, Journey Church. We'll start that over again. So as you heard, uh, that was Pastor Jim Simbla. Uh, He is the pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle, uh, where we are going to be going on Tuesday night, uh, as Authorine and Rob were talking about. If you have the chance to join us over there, uh, myself and my wife will also be there. So we would love to have the chance to uh, join together as as Journey Church just there. They have an incredible prayer meeting every Tuesday night. Uh, So we'll be going talking about life-changing prayer is the study that we are going to be going through in our small groups, our community groups, this upcoming spring. Uh, So if you haven't had a chance to join, do that on the back of your connection card or using uh, that QR code. But again, these are opportunities for our church, for us, to go beyond Sunday morning, to reconcile that relationship with our brokenness, and that God will hear us. This is the amazing work of Jesus. And today, we're going to take a look in the throne room of grace. What does that look like for us to actually enter in? And our, our verse for the week, uh, for this series that we've been going through, is out of Hebrews chapter 4. And it says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all of the same testings we do, and yet did not sin. And I'd like to go ahead, uh, it's something, if you've been around the journey, we haven't done it in a while, but I'd like to read verse 16 out loud together. Powerful that happens when um, we are hearing the word of God and speaking the word of God uh, that helps it plant into our hearts. So verse 16, starting with, so let us... Uh, We'll read. Ready? Go. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. At the throne room of our gracious God, we receive mercy. Jim Simbola in in his book, Life Changing Prayer, and in this study, he defines mercy and grace in in a really simple way that I I like. He describes justice as speeding and getting caught and getting a speeding ticket. Mercy as speeding, getting pulled over, but not getting a ticket, not getting what you were due. Grace, not getting a ticket, also having the officer do some free car wash day out, right? undeserved blessing on top of the mercy of not receiving justice for what we're due. Uh, I was younger. Uh, I have a brother once apart. Rebellious one. If you have two kids, maybe you kind of know that dynamic and how that plays out. Uh, but that's kind of how that always was. And so I was the one that rarely got in trouble. Uh, I rarely needed to hear the riot act from my parents. It was really my brother that kind of got it most of the time. 
But there was a time in particular that comes to mind. Uh, my brother and I were playing in our backyard growing up with a friend of ours, and as kids do, them started picking on me. They just kind of had it in their minds that day that they were going to give me the cold shoulder and be mean to me just the whole day. We were younger. And so I remember we were in the backyard and I just kind of got fed up with it. And at the time, uh, it was one of those weeks we got a lot of rain and cut the grass. The grass was like probably knee high, but enough to kind of get down and hide in. And so they were hiding in the grass and popping up and yelling and things at me and then jumping back down. And I remember getting so mad. I was like, I'm going to skip. And so I... So I threw a couple... And then I guess my arm gave out. I threw one... And he popped... Oh, so he this is going Ed, who is work gets the call from my mom, and so out comes my mom and is like, "Your father wants to speak to you." Whew. That's like when you did something wrong, Dad knows about it, and now it's time to face Dad. And I picked up the phone, and he was like, what happened? And I just burned. I was like, I'm so sorry for me, and I, it was stupid, and I shouldn't have did it. He was so vicious. It's all right. He just said, let's, let's just do pizza. Let's make it easy. And I remember that moment of feeling his mercy. I remember that moment of him it giving me even the grace to, to bring pizza home, to say, hey, let's lift this. We're and I remember that moment marking me. And I feel like it's interesting that we, we often experience that with God. Sometimes, whether consciously or unconsciously, we're just throwing rocks. And every now and then we hit one, we hit someone with one, and we're in need of mercy. We're in need of God's forgiveness. We're in need of entering back into God's presence. And I wonder about... And God understands. I think he does. I definitely do. But I also think there's something that God wants our hearts to experience when we enter into his throne room with open hands. And because I have recognized my brokenness and I am coming to you not just to repair it, but for forgiveness, for our relationship to be reconciled in this moment. In the book of James, chapter 4, verse 6, James says, and he, God, he gives, grace, he gives grace graciously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, 
but gives grace to the humble. In humility. Because you know what the opposite of coming to God for mercy is? It's being too proud to not come to God for mercy. It's being too proud to come before God and admit your weakness, to admit your flaw, to admit your sin, and say, God, hey, listen, I'm broken. <laughs> I'm not trying. Everything this, I'm coming. In Matthew 9, we see Jesus uh, doing one of my favorite things that he did on his time of earth, just stirring the waters a little, you know, just kind of kicking the bucket a little, getting people riled up. And, and at this particular time, he was uh, going after the very proud, hypocritical Pharisees of the time. And, and he was trying to make a point of breaking down some of these barriers of pride. And, and we see an incredible example in Matthew chapter 9. In verse 10, it says, Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his other disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. We'll pause there for a moment. In, in the time of Jesus, uh, Israelites who chose to be tax collectors were considered uh, betrayers. They were betraying their own culture. They were going and working for the Romans. They were uh, selling out their own culture and their people is kind of how the Jewish uh, community saw it. And so Matthew, who would later become a disciple of Jesus, was a tax collector. And so Jesus, as he's calling Matthew into his ministry, uh, decides he's going to accept this invitation. And Matthew invites him and his disciples into his home with other tax collectors and other people that weren't considered the religious Israelites for dinner. And in verse 11, we see it says, But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? They didn't see that there was value in it. There was a, a separation, an unwritten rule that they did not interact with this social class, with this type of people. And verse 12, when Jesus heard this, he said, Healthy people, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come not to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. See, we often think the, the point of this story revolves around the Pharisees and their pride that they couldn't even understand why Jesus, who was considered a teacher of the law himself, would be eating with these people. But often what we don't look at is the silent character in this story, the tax collectors, the disreputable sinners that were at dinner. See, they knew who Jesus was. This wasn't just a man off the street inviting them into dinner. They knew who Jesus was. They knew that he knew the scriptures back and forth. They knew the separation of their sin and the way they lived their life and the holiness of Jesus, maybe at the time didn't know he was the coming Messiah, but knew he was a religious uh, teacher of the law. And they still chose to go and eat with Jesus. And they still chose to go and put themselves in that environment to be in the presence of Jesus, accepting that invitation to share that time with him. 
You see, something I believe happened in their hearts there where there was a moment of humility, where they didn't look at their lives and their sin and say, ah, oh, see all of this right here? This is, this is why I can't go sit with Jesus, man. Because if he found out, what would that do to his ministry? Well, oh man, what? Let me, let me just separate myself. And you see, that's what we often do. Often when we're in need of help or we're in, uh, feeling guilty or shameful about maybe the brokenness or the sin that we see in ourselves, we tend to put that distance between us and Jesus. We tend to stop and say, you know what? God is really holy and I, I just, I don't, I don't really deserve it. And maybe we won't say that with our minds and our, and our lips. But if we really let God do some poking deep down in our heart, what we'll find is it's often pride that is keeping us from entering into the throne room of grace to receive mercy and grace. We often don't feel worthy enough because we know our sin and we often keep that separation between us and God. Every single one of us does it. So think about a time where you don't come to God, but you probably need to. Probably this week, I could think of 10 of them. <laughs> but when I stop and I really think about why in those moments, God isn't the first thing to come to the forefront of my mind. Usually it's in retrospect, but I see that it's pride. I see that it's my pride thinking I can handle this, that because God saved me, I have to be good enough, Right. When we come to Jesus often, we think, I have to stop smoking, I have to stop drinking, I have to stop cursing, I have to stop dancing and going to movies, depending on how conservative you are. There's a whole list of things that we have to stop doing in order to live this Christian life and fit the life. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, come to me as you are. Are you still a tax collector, ripping people off and stealing their money? Come have dinner with me. I'm not asking you to change all of it and then come. I'm asking you to boldly approach the throne of grace. And that passage in Hebrews tells us why we can. Because we have a high priest in Jesus who has gone before us, who has paved the way, who has lived a perfect life, experienced our, our temptations and our struggles, and yet was without sin, and who the Bible says sits in heaven with God interceding on our behalf praying for us right in this very moment. A powerful Savior that we have who wants us to come for mercy and grace. Now, if you're anything like me, which you don't have to be, but I think a lot of people may be, you might feel a little discouraged hearing that we are just broken, finding out that you're broken, seeing your sin and your brokenness. Every single one of us, as we've talked about with sin being more of an infection than an action, something we do, that each one of us has sin within us. You see, I think often we see that and we begin to get discouraged and broken. But Paul gives us another thought on this in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 11, he says, For God has imprisoned everyone in disobedience so that he could have mercy on everyone. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and ways. See, if you feel broken or guilty or shameful over your sin or your brokenness, you're in good company. Paul says that no one can escape that. That in a sense, God has given every man over to a disobedience. That every human who has ever lived enters into a spiritual realm of sin. 
that we are born into it. So it sounds like what God is saying is, hey, everyone here is on an even playing field. There is nobody here who is in less need of mercy than you and I. There is no one on earth who God wants to give grace to more than you and I, or the same amount of grace. That we are on an even playing field of brokenness. And you see, the reason that's good news is because it has nothing to do with us. See, the love of God is the one who made the first move. God himself decided to come to repair this relationship with mankind and give us the opportunity to be humble, to give us the opportunity to see our brokenness and sin with the truth of who he is. Elsewhere in scripture, it talks about how the law the do's and don'ts that the Israelites always had to follow, that the law was intended to simply show us our sin. It was simply put there so that we could see that we could not live up to it, that we, we don't have the ability to conquer sin and death in our own human terms. I believe God in that doing is giving us this, this example of how wide the gap is between what we're capable of as humans and what we would need to be in the presence of God. And that there is nothing on our own we can do to bridge that, but everything that Jesus did that makes it possible for you and I today. And so we have the opportunity to step into this throne room of grace, knowing that nobody is above another. Nobody is, is more holy or, or more worthy or finds more favor in God's eyes that, that he looks at each person, understands their brokenness, understands their sin, and loves and gives mercy and grace equally. Should we just come in humility and ask? And I, I can say honestly, church, this is not an easy thing to do. Being humble before God is not easy. And often we think we are being humble and then God shows us how proud we are. Often thinking we're humble is the pride itself. See, myself personally, is this is an experience that I feel like God has been, been shaping in me. If I'm being completely transparent with you, I feel like over the last two or three years, God has changed my testimony, that he's changed my story. You see, I grew up in a home that uh, was raised in biblical beliefs, Christian values. Uh, but in my middle school, high school years, we, my, my family started hitting some hard times. We almost lost my dad in 9-11. By the grace of God, he made it out. My parents started having some marital issues. My brother, who, as I said, a goody-two-shoes, rebellious one, started getting into more, more trouble, some of it with the law. My family was just entering some hard times. And I recognized it that in the he just, and I was on fire for him. And I recognize that often God would give me opportunities to be strong for my family, to support them in prayer and love, to at times even begin to counsel them out of what God was doing in me. But what I hadn't realized is that pride was mixing itself up in all of that. And in being strong for someone else, I was learning to not go to God for mercy. And so 
At 19, 20-ish, I moved away from home for the first time to enter into ministry. I got an internship at an amazing church doing student ministry, beginning my career, yet another place where I was able to, to not need God, where I was able to be strong for others, to be, to be the one who had it all together so that others could fall apart. My first job in ministry after that internship, I actually got fired from. Because I didn't know how to handle sin and brokenness in my life. I began burning myself out and then lying to cover up about it. And those lies tripped me up. And I healed. I, I came to God. There was a moment of brokenness I found in there that changed my life. And then as I continued to grow and continue on in ministry a few years later, I continued in pride. I continued not knowing what it was to come to God for mercy. And then the straw that broke the camel's back, marriage. If you're married, you know. And I love my wife. This has nothing to do with her. But when you get married, it's like somebody holding up a giant mirror. And you start seeing everything about yourself. And I begin seeing all of the ways that I hid my brokenness and I hid what I needed. And God began showing me so clearly how little I came to his throne room for mercy. How little I came to him acknowledging my brokenness and acknowledging I couldn't do something. That I would just circumvent that by either ignoring it or figuring another way to do it in my own power that I didn't even have the ability in the beginning of my marriage to be open and vulnerable with my wife about that. That I don't think I've cried in front of my family in two decades. Little things like that that God began showing me, hey, it's your pride. Hey, it's your hardness of heart. It's you thinking that you have to do everything. And over the last few years, church, he's been breaking me down and building me back up on his mercy and grace that I as a pastor in his mid 30s who has done nothing else career wise with his life but ministry could just be learning what it means to come to the throne room of grace to just be learning that we all need mercy and I am no exception and you are no exception but church the good 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 news about it is that the throne room of grace is better than you could think. The kindness and the mercy of God when you bring your brokenness to him goes beyond anything you can imagine. That I'm beginning to learn that I don't have to be strong when I think I should be, but I'm not. That I don't have to hide my brokenness and my sin just because I'm a pastor in ministry, but that I can bring that to God, that I can find accountability in my life that I can bring people in and confess their brokenness to because God is faithful and just and he gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. Church, from experience, I can tell you, there is nothing better than wearing out a path to the throne room. There is nothing better than finding a way in your life every day to come to God, to every single day, find a way to come before him and confess your brokenness and your sin. Because even in the moments you think it's not there, it is. 
Even if you can't see it, that's okay. God sees it all. And there's a heart of humility that we bring into that throne room when we say, God, my brokenness, even what I don't see, I'm laying it at your feet. I'm trusting you to do everything with it. I'm trusting you to make me whole. I'm trusting you to heal my heart. I'm trusting you to heal my mind. And if I'm going to follow you the rest of my life, I'm trusting you to tie that rope around my waist and never let me go. Because if it's in my own power and my own strength, I will fail every single time. Church, I don't ever want to judge people for their sin. I don't, I don't think that's necessarily our, our place to do, but we do see it. And if you've followed anything in the news over the last decade or two, you've noticed that there's been a large amount of pastors coming forward that are, uh, the word it's referred to as moral failure, that they are falling into sin or have been hiding sin for years and decades because of what I just described. Because there is a, an, an, an inability for all of us to come into the throne room of grace, to want to hide our brokenness and our shame. But the truth is that God doesn't ask us to do that. And the truth is that when we don't do that, we find mercy and we find grace. We find that God's not going to give us that ticket to our speeding, but in fact, he's giving us car wash coupons. And he's giving us a get out of the next speeding ticket. (laughs) And he's not telling us, okay, go speed. This is for when you do. But I think God in his infinite wisdom and mercy knows that we're going to sin, that we are broken, and that we're going to recognize it again. And his grace has gone before us so that when we, in our simplified understanding, come into a conscious awareness of our brokenness, God's grace is already there meeting us. You see, often we think we have to ask God for it as if God is sitting there waiting to give it for us. But the truth is, when Jesus came, that was God's grace and God's mercy entering into our realm, entering into mankind's world. God's mercy and grace has gone before every one of us to clear the way so that we can come before him. And church, as we talk about this concept of having life-changing prayer, this is, this is of the utmost importance to realize because you will not come to God if you don't think you're worthy of it. And the truth is, is we're not apart from Jesus. We have not done what we need. We have not lived in perfection to be able to say, I am divine, I can enter into the holy throne room of God. They used to tie bells around the priest's ankles when they went into the, the, the presence, the tent of meeting, because if they messed up and they were struck dead, they would hear the bells stop moving and they knew to pull him out. That's how holy and perfect the presence of God is. But because of what Jesus has done, we get to enter into that. What power, what magnitude that God offers us when we simply come to him in humility. Church, I hope that over this series you get plugged into a community group, not because we want numbers to climb or anything to that extent that sometimes churches focus on, but because I know your life will be changed. Because I know that as you're in community with other people and you begin exploring a little bit of this vulnerability and laying yourself before God and bringing others into that, that your life will be changed. Because that's how God designed it. So anytime that you feel you can't enter God's throne room, just know it's not God telling you you can't. Be humble. 
Come before him in your brokenness and trust that God has already laid out his mercy and grace for us. Would you bow your heads and join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we're thankful. We're oh so thankful. God, that we, uh, with, with confused feelings even, come before you knowing that this grace and this mercy and this love is so undeserved. We feel the depth that we don't belong with a holy and perfect God in our merit, but that you have made a way. Would you help us to trust in that? Would you help us to wear out a path regularly to you? Would we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that we have every opportunity to come to your throne room for mercy whenever we need it? Would you give us the, the strength, tie us in your love, and remind us often of your love that has made the way that we have no fear in it. And that God, as, as, as you are teaching me, my friends and family and wife as a witness, there is a beauty in the mercy of God. There is a beauty in being broken. As your word says, and when we are weak, you are strong. And Paul goes on to say, so I will boast of my weakness. God, would you help me to boast of my weakness more than my strength? Would you help us to know what it means to come to your throne room for mercy? We thank you that we have that chance. And we pray it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.